Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 222 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm out here in... New Jersey, so I'm joined by the former heavyweight world title challenger himself. It is, of course, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, thanks for thanks for being with me for this show. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, just out here working, doing our normal thing, having fun too now that you're here. So let's keep this thing going. Let's keep it going. So let's move on to the to the review part of the show. We're going to start here at a card that me and Eddie were present for. Eddie worked the corner. Um, it was at the Ocean Resort Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, USA. Firstly, this this venue is incredible. I mean, not even just the boxing venue itself, which actually the arena that they had for the boxing wasn't the biggest, but um, this this hotel was like nothing I've ever seen before. I mean, obviously, it being a casino, it being a hotel, it being a venue for not just boxing, but many other different things. I think they've done concerts and stuff there before. Um, you know, the rooms it had, it had hundreds and hundreds of rooms. It was just incredible. I mean, the whole place itself cost $2.5 billion to build. It was like something, like, like nothing I've ever seen before, honestly. It was bigger than, it was It was probably the size of 300 football pitches, which is just crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, moving on to the actual fights themselves. Let's start down the card. We're going to start here with Jerron Ennis, a, a, a high-flying prospect. Now 25-0 with 23 of them quick. A TKO for him in four rounds against Bakhtiar Ayubov, who had a record of 14-1 and one with one draw. I think he had 12 KOs as well, so a bit of a puncher. Quite stubborn as well. He was down twice in the first round, but he got back up with heart. He carried on, but... Um you know, he was taking a beating. To be honest, the stoppage was a bit of a soft one from the referee. Um, many of the final punches land well, not landed, but thrown from Ennis didn't actually connect. But, um, you know, it was one-way traffic, and the referee jumped in. He probably saved Ayubov from some further punishment. But, um, you know, Jerron Ennis take nothing away from him. Another win for him, and, uh, you know, a fight he was controlling for the, for the entirety of it. Um, also on the bill, Alicia Napoleon. Um, a bit of an upset, actually. It was for the WBA and IBF female super middleweight titles. Um, she took on the relatively unknown, as far as I'm aware, Ellen Sederuz, I think her name is. She was 7-0, undefeated. Uh, she came over here, like I say, she beat Alicia Napoleon on points. A unanimous decision for her over 10 two-minute rounds. Very, very close on the cards, actually. All three judges had it exactly the same. 95-94 in favor of the away fighter, Sederuz. So, um, credit to her. I think they asked her after the fight if she wants the likes of Clarissa Shields and I think she actually said she wasn't yet ready. So some honesty there from the new champion. And moving up to the top of the bill, Clarissa Shields now 10-0. She becomes the quickest fighter in the history of the sport of boxing to become a freeweight world champion. Um, obviously here she picked up the vacant WBC and vacant WBO world female 
super welterweight titles. Her opponent, Ivana Habazin, um, yeah, lost very wide on the points in the end. Ten two-minute rounds unanimously in favor of Shields. Habazin was down in round six. It was a body shot. She she took a knee um, vo- voluntarily. Um, but yeah, of course, Eddie, you were working the corner. I was sat just um, just behind me, the, the opposite corner or the corner on the side or whatever. So my view was a little bit restricted. I think you probably had a better view than me. Just talk me through it. Obviously, we were in Habazin's corner. We were on the ring walk. Um, and yeah, it wasn't to be her night in the end. Yeah, yeah, she, um, I felt like she tried to perform where she needed to, but, um, things just wasn't, wasn't coming off. You know, she was a little, uh, slow on certain, certain things, certain shots she were trying to throw. Um, I think the range was a bit tough for her. I think, I think what actually what Clarissa did is that she made her a little unsettled with, uh, with the range by making her miss a little bit coming in, which I expected, uh, Ivana to do, which kind of threw things off a bit for her, and I think when that happened, and just the overall, you know, how big the event was for her, and you know, and it's not the first time. Obviously, she's been a world champion, so she's been up there before, and you have to expect there's going to be like that. But every once in a while, things like that can kind of swallow you up, and I think that Ivana has more than enough ability to to be in the ring with the likes of Clarissa Shields or any one of that. Uh, you know that that mag that that, uh, that ability, yeah, that caliber. I couldn't get that word out. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that caliber, but um, you know, it just like I said, it wasn't her night. You know, she came up a little short with a lot of her shots, and you know, she tried to get close, tried to make a dog fight of it, but it just wasn't to be. I think I think Clarissa Shields was as advertised was uh, the top the top uh, top dog in, in there that that night. But you know, take nothing away from Ivana. Ivana can definitely definitely do her thing, and she has the ability. She has the speed. She Eventually, we'll get back into that position, and you know, not to hopefully this won't you know, you know, kill her confidence too much, and she'll be back in there and be strong soon. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we were discussing it a little bit yesterday, and I think, I think you used the word outgunned, which I think was, was, was a good, you know, a good word to, to describe what, what, what really happened to Ivana. I mean, mm-hmm. she, she showed, you know, if nothing else, she tremendous definitely heart. showed tremendous heart. Yeah, you're right. Tremendous she showed, heart. she showed tremendous heart. She was, she was, she was openly hurt. Um, you know, with that body shot, she carried on, you know, at that point I was thinking, wow, she took a knee. I thought, and I'm sure a lot of people thought perhaps the stoppage is close, you know, perhaps Clarissa is going to get the stoppage, but no, she got back up. She bit down on the gum shield and she survived it, you know, with, with a girl that is, you know, bigger than her, more experienced than her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just all round, I suppose we have to say better than her, you know, especially on the night. So mm-hmm. credit to Ivana, you know, we, uh, we obviously wish her the best for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, your brother Steve is training her and stuff like that. So the best of luck to those, uh, those pair going forward. But yeah, Clarissa, like I say, makes history there. 10 and 0 now. Um, still just the two KOs. She didn't deliver on her, um, her promise to, to get Ivana out there in six rounds, even though, like I say, that was the round Ivana was, was down in. But um, yeah, credit, of course, to Clarissa going forward. Moving out now to the Mark Giatess Arena in the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino um, in Atlantic City, just up the road the following day. Um, let's talk about the main event, really, the only fight to mention over here. Jesse Hart, he was the, the obviously the hometown fighter. It's not far from Philly. Um, 
26 and 2 going in. The favourite, of course, to win the fight, even though he'd only had one fight at 175 before that, and it was a win against Sullivan Barrera, a guy that was able to to beat his opponent here, Joe Smith Jr., 24 and 3. Um, it was for the WBO and ABO light heavyweight title. Jesse Hart was down in round 7, um, and of course, it ended with a very controversial split decision over 10 rounds in favour of Joe Smith Jr. Just quickly want to give my little take on that one. Um, from the get-go, I felt like Joe Smith really had no respect for what was coming back at him. He didn't seem to respect Jesse Hart's power. Um, Smith was far too aggressive. He was far too active. He set the high tempo. He was able to push Hart back. Uh, you know, he used his strength in there. He forced Jesse to, you know, attempt to adjust, but he just couldn't really adjust. And Smith would back Hart up, and Hart would be on the ropes, and Smith would unload big-looking shots, but nothing too telling. Um, but, you know, the whole, I want to say the whole... Um, story of the fight there I say it was 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 all going well for um for Joe Smith and like I say Hart was down in round seven he was caught with a right hook I think it was on the temple it seemed to you know collapse his legs underneath him and luckily for Hart perhaps there was only eight seconds left in the round because when he got back up um he was he was actually taking a bit more punishment but the bell kind of saved him and you know I have to I hate to be I should say I hate to be an after timer but Looking at it now, there, there there seemed to be no worse style than than Joe Smith's style for someone like Jesse Hart because skill for skill, I'd probably say Smith doesn't have as much skill as Jesse Hart. You know, he, he can be cute, Jesse Hart, and um, you know it's not like Hart overlooks Smith. I don't think it's you know the whole of Philadelphia knows not to take Smith lightly. Of course, he was the guy that knocked Bernard Hopkins out the ring when they boxed back in 2016. But one interesting fact though that I thought could come into things is that. Since that Hopkins fight, Smith has only had one fight per year since. He boxed once in 2017, once in 2018, once in 2019. And he's only won one fight. The other two fights I'm mentioning, he lost. You know, he, he lost, like I say, to Sullivan Barrera. He knocked out you know, journeyman Melvin Russell in a round. And then, of course, last time out, he lost to Dimitri Bivol on points. So, in all honesty, the way he dominated Jesse Hart, it leaves, in my opinion, Jesse Hart in a bad place. And it's going to be um, a rebuilding process, to say the least. Um, yeah, I think he... I think he can be more than just a nearly man, Eddie. I mean, we, we say... I don't know if you use that term, nearly man, but over, over in the UK, we say a nearly man's a guy that, you know, had it all, but just couldn't win a world title in the end I hope he's not going to be that guy because he's had the two opportunities you know he moved up in weight because he was so big for super middle he's boxed Joe Smith Jr who we all expected him to perhaps have a little bit too much for and he lost you know he lost I, I, I struggled to give him a round that's right. why I say the split decision was controversial in the end I know you were watching it at your house as well mm. what did you make of it I agree I agree um uh, no I know Jesse either a good, a good guy. You know, he's a friend. I would consider him a, a, a good colleague in the sport and a gym mate too. But you got to be honest, man. When you see, you know, the, what happened and what transpired on the on the night, he just didn't look himself. He didn't look settled. He didn't look comfortable in there. You would think a boxer of that magnitude would be able to uh, adjust and do what's necessary to uh, win a fight that's completely winnable for him. But Joe Smith came in with uh, the determination and attitude of a guy who wanted to take him apart. And he did just that. You know what I mean? I don't think he took him apart necessarily, but he definitely uh, soundly won the fight. Coming forward with activity, with pressure, with strength, with determination. And I feel like Jesse, you know, he let his feet get out of position a lot of the times. He was going straight back too much, you know, from a 
strategic standpoint, I feel like Jesse made a lot of mistakes that a boxer shouldn't make. And I'm screaming from, from the couch, which, you know, a lot of guys do that. But I happen to be a fighter, too, so don't get it twisted. But anyway, <laughs> but I was screaming from the couch for Jesse, too. And it's easy for me to say watching. But then I've been in there with a lot of guys who are a lot, a lot bigger than me, a lot, quote, unquote, stronger than me, a lot heavier than me. You understand what I'm saying? And I was able to walk in, take what they had to offer and give them something back. And I think toward the end of the fight, Jesse had to start to make an adjustment. And I think that would have been what was necessary because a boxer with the uh, kind of ability. Now, granted, he's a big, tall guy for that division. He's 6'3". So he is a big target. But you look at certain guys like even like Diego Corrales at 135 being 5'10 and a half, which is pretty tall for that. He didn't mind getting in there and mixing it up. I feel like Jesse has a lot more a lot better defensive ability and at close range he can use that to his uh to his advantage you know what i mean as even the long arms can actually be beneficial at close range if you know how to use them but i felt he was too interested in getting away and keeping space in between and what what that did was give joe smith too much momentum and with that momentum joe was able to keep coming forward keep putting his hands on him we already know he's a big puncher especially with the right hand and it just kept jesse off off balance and off beat the whole fight and the whole night so you know, credit to Joe. He did what he had to do. Jesse got to go back to the drawing board and got to really rethink of how to get over that hump, you know? Yeah, like I say, it, you know, it was a fight he was he was probably expected to win, and it is a tough loss because I'm looking around thinking I'm not sure where he goes from here. You know, you need yeah. to you need to beat guys like Joe Smith because, again, he's probably a bit of a nearly man as well. You know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't say he's, he's favorite to beat any of the world champions. You know, he's a he's a... It's hard to kind of. I'm not sure what kind of fight you'd say. I suppose he's probably fringe world level at best, you know. Mm-hmm. So you need to be getting past guys like that, especially if you're gonna. Sorry, Eddie, go. On. No, no, no. I didn't, want you to, I didn't want you to stop. I just wanted to let you know. Look, you think you mentioned Dimitri Bivol, right? And you, he's a he's a one of the top guys there. And obviously, mm-hmm. the, the 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 dragon, you know, the the, the killer of the whole thing is uh, is better better BF, right? Mm-hmm. At the uh, at the top. So, but. You look at Jesse, and as bad as this could be for him, and as bad as a lot of people will say he looked, Dimitri Bivol would be actually a better fight for him. And from a standpoint, listen, to what I'm saying, I know it's going to be like what? No, but it, from the standpoint of uh, strategically, right? He likes to box. He likes to move. Bivol is more of a boxer himself. So, yeah, but he, out of who? Are you talking about out of the champions? Yeah, out of the champions. I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, that, in, in comparison yeah. to Joe Smith. Joe Smith's a bad oh, matchup for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. You can clearly see. Joe Smith coming forward the way he was with that big power in the right hand. I'm not saying Bivol can't punch, but what I'm saying is Joe Smith, that's his calling card. That's his thing. And the pressure, you know what I mean? I'm not sure how Dimitri Bivol, as far as pressure is, he throws a lot of punches. Yeah, maybe, but from range, it gives Jesse a better opportunity. I'm not saying Jesse can beat him. I'm just saying it's a better matchup for him than See, I don't think Joe Jesse Smith. likes to uh, stay on the outside and box, though. He gets a he gets a bit involved in the inside, you know, with guys he has the advantage over mm, in height, you know. Maybe. I, I think he mixes it up a bit too much. I know he's can punch, and, and you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's a good idea. You know, he's stopped, I don't even know how many stoppages he's got. He's, most of his fights have ended in stoppage. He's, he's mm-hmm. a big puncher. But, mm-hmm. I don't know, with a Bivol, I don't even know if you want to be trading with him. And I think right. he, he, I think Bivol's a bit too a bit too smart for that, you know. Bivol's, Bivol's hard to hit, you know. He's no, yeah, fighter, and I hear that, and I understand that too, and I agree. You know what I mean? I've seen both. But Baterbiev would be all wrong. Oh, of course not. We had, yeah. That's why. See, Baterbiev is, <laughs> is a mixture of both for Jesse. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, he's, he's not, he's not, he wouldn't be, 
he wouldn't be in a good spot with that fight. We all know that. You know. But I do think that actually, I don't even think he'd have to fight any of those guys with with the fight on the weekend because I believe Canelo had vacated or he's going <laughs> to vacate or whatever that oh, really? title. I think he did vacate the title. Oh really? So I think it's vacant. And that fight there, the winner of that was going to box the number one or whatever for the vacant. But that's what I was told. So that was his way in, and you know he's but, not going to. He's not going to. Yeah, go on. No, no, just like you're saying. But in my estimation, when I'm looking at a division, when I'm well, obviously me being the heavyweight, that was the only damn division I had at the time. I'm looking at everybody and all comers. You have to eventually deal with them. And if you want to have a plan, you know what I'm saying? My thing would be to go after B-Ball before I would obviously go after Beterbiev. You know what I mean? But I'm not saying that I think he can win the fight. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. That's, that B-Ball is a difficult fight for him. Very difficult fight for him. He's smart. He's, he's active. You know, he has a lot of stuff going for him. However... It's, I think, even an even better fight than a guy like Joe Smith. Not Joe Smith, not saying he doesn't have a style, but a more wild, more reckless, more you know, more strength, more power, you know, more come forward, more more activity. Uh, uh, in in my opinion, I'm not saying more, not necessarily more danger, but just you know, the way he fights, the way he comes forward, makes it really really difficult on on Jesse. Je- if you can, if you were watching the fight, you can see Jesse really couldn't even get his feet set properly. You know what I mean? Guy was in his face so much. Bivol may be more tricky. He may be able to land, you know, combination. He may be able to do this and then do that, which is, you know, going to be difficult, obviously, for Jesse. But I feel like he'll have a better chance in a fight like that than he would with the guy wild and, and reckless and tough like Joe Smith. You know what I mean? Well, we'll see if that fight can be made down the line. I'm sure that's the best he, he can really hope for at this stage Maybe. after that loss. But, um,. Maybe. Just to confirm, Canelo did vacate the WBO title, but the number one guy was actually Gilberto Ramirez because obviously he vacated his WBO um, super middle. So oh, wow. he did that in in, uh, in exchange for a number one ranking at the weight above. So Jesse Hart would have would have if he would have got the win, he would have probably ended up with a third fight with Gilberto Ramirez. I'm not sure if anyone actually wants to see that, um, but it is what it is. Um, moving out now to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, USA. This is the final card to mention of the review part. Um, over here, we had prospect Joshua Franco move to 16-1. and one. He's, of course, got those two draws. Um, a TKO for him in nine rounds against Jose Burgos, who's now 17-3. and three. Um, A great fight on the card. Friend of the show, Hector Tanahara, the undefeated prospect, remains undefeated now. 19-0, and 0, a win for him over 10 rounds unanimously against Juan Carlos Burgos. Again, that's a guy who, you know, if you're underestimating him, he can really upset guys, and he has done plenty, plenty times. He's now 33-4 and four with two draws. It was wide in the end for Tanahara. That one was for the WBC. United States lightweight title. Um, another upset on the cards. Franchon Dazern, as far as I'm sure, or Franchon Cruz, I think she she mainly goes under. Um, six and one. She lost her world title. I'm not sure if it was a unification or not, but it was for the WBC and WBO world female super middleweight titles. Of course, her one loss came to Clarissa Shields. Um, Franchon Cruz, I'm not sure, like I said, if she had. Um, one title or two. She definitely at least had one, but anyway, she lost a split decision over 10 two-minute rounds against Alejandra Jimenez, who's now t- uh, 13-0 with a draw. And the main event, Jaime Munguia, 35-0 now, a TKO for her, or for him, I should say, <laughs> talking about the women's boxing so much, a TKO for him in the 11th round against friend of the show, Gary Spike O'Sullivan, now 30-4, a brave guy, Spike, um, I wasn't sure that the fight would go as long as as it did, actually. It went to the 11th round. Spike O'Sullivan, 
Um, you know, obviously provided a test for Mungia. You know, his first fight at middleweight, he was in there with a guy that can punch. But to be honest, aside from, I think, maybe one punch early on in the round, Spike didn't really seem to bother um, Mungia with his power. Mungia did have a point deducted for, for repeated low blows in round six. To be honest, he probably... Could have um, could have had one or two more points took off him because he did hit low a lot of the time and Spike O'Sullivan would would um, would milk it for what he could and like I say a point was deducted but Spike was down in the eleventh round and the towel did come in but um, I did see little bits of it I streamed it from what I could my stream kept interrupting I kept having to refresh and stuff like that but um, you know he he fought bravely Spike and. Like I say, he provided the the test that Mungia would have needed. You know, he did he did a he did a great job actually welcoming Mungia to the middleweight division. And Mungia, I'm sure, well, I'd like to say I'm sure would learn from that. But pretty much, he fights every fight the same way. You know, not much of a defense. He takes a lot of shots. He lands a lot of shots. And you know, he's he's a he's a Mexican warrior, and he's he's very active. He he doesn't really slow down as the fight goes on. He's going to be a hard man to beat. Um, you know, there's interesting fights again that can be made for him. Obviously, him being a former WBO world champion, it'd be interesting to see if he. Um, if I'm, I'm quite actually confused. I'm not sure what the situation is because he gave up his title WBO, and as as we've been mentioning here, you know, if you give up your WBO world title and move up, you can go straight into a mandatory position, just like. Like I say, Gilberto Ramirez, um, just like Usyk did at cruiserweight, moving up to heavyweight, you can go straight into that number one position. And Mungia, if he if he exercises that that um, what's the word I'm looking for that that ruling or whatever, then he'd be mandatory for um, the WBO, which of course is Demetrius Andrade. So uh, that, by the way, stylistically is probably the worst champion I'd like to see Mungia fight at middleweight because I, I don't think I really give him a chance of winning that one. But he definitely make the fight interesting, which doesn't always happen in Andrade fights. But um, that is it, though, for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the final thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning IBF super featherweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Tevin Farmer. Tevin, welcome back on the show, my man. Hey, thanks for having me once again. Once again, once again. So, Tevin, we last spoke back in August, uh, just after your win over Frenoir back then. Um, you know, we all love boxing because it's one of the craziest sports in the world. And, you know, people often are surprised by how cool most boxers can be. For example, you had the, you know, the pretty big feud with John O'Carroll, but then you guys, you know... Had it had it all unfold in the ring, and then now you guys are like the best of friends in all the videos and all that. Um, that's amazing, man. So I see he's back in camp once again. How's it going? Yeah, um, he definitely. Yeah, he. Yeah, took a kind. Um, it's going amazing right now. We we um got about two and a half weeks left, and um we we buckling down. And put the fighting touches on stuff, on things. Excellent, man. And, of course, talking of feuds, you'll be boxing at the end of the month against Joseph Diaz Jr. in Florida. Um, the fight, though, itself is to step up in terms of the U.S. interest because lately you've been boxing a few European guys and stuff, but they haven't really had the big name in the States. This fight here has that, and, of course, it has a bit of bad blood to go with it. Does that make you raise your game at all, Tevin, or does it excite you any more, the fact that, you know, this guy is known here, this is a big fight here? Absolutely, man. It's a big fight. And I just want to go out there and make this thing look easy. Like I do on my other fights. It's not easier. 
And of course, Joseph Diaz, when I spoke to him, he said that with uh, with Javante Davis moving up in weight, he believes you are the best 130 fighter in the world. Um, where do you rate Joseph Diaz amongst the other fighters at 130? Would you say he's probably the best fighter at the weight that doesn't yet have a belt? Um, I don't know. I can't really say that because he only fought one fight at 130, so I can't say that. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, the one thing I've seen a lot of people comment on is that you know because of jake paul and this other youtuber whose name i've i've forgotten actually they've been added to the card obviously your fight has been moved down a little bit some people find that a hard pill to swallow some people are upset about that some people understand that you know these youtubers have got such big followings and it's totally totally normal because they're they're a big draw um I want to ask you, though, personally, Tevin, does it affect you in any way that your fight's been slightly overshadowed by some guys that aren't real fighters? I wouldn't say that it affects me, but um, when I first heard about it, I was kind of pissed. Um, but it is what it is. And of course, that Javante Davis fight was a fight everyone wanted to see. When we last spoke, I think you said that deep down you didn't really think it'd happen anyway. Um, with him now moving up in weight, is that fight completely off your radar now? Um, I'm not worried about him right now. He moved up. We're we no longer in the same weight class. Um, and I still don't think it's going to happen. And what did you, if you saw it, if you saw it, what did you make of his win over Gamboa? A lot of people criticizing that. He got the job done. That's all that matters. Um, a lot of people didn't think he looked too good. Um, I didn't think he looked too good. I never think he really looked good. But at the end of the day, he got the victory. And I want to I wanna get your prediction, Tevin, for this fight January 30th against Joseph Diaz. Obviously, you know, Joseph, like I say, is supremely confident. It would seem um, it's going to be his third crack at a world title. They say third time lucky. Of course, you're not you're not going with that at all. You're going out there to get the job done. Who we fought? Is it third time? Who we fought before? He boxed... Um, he, oh, you're putting me on the spot now. He, he, he boxed Rojas, didn't he? But I think he missed the weight just a touch, and it, and it wasn't on the line for him, the belt. He boxed twice before for world titles, man, yeah. I can't call it. Call it. Oh, now you're going to make me check. Hang on one sec. <laughs> okay. One second right now, too. Yeah, he boxed twice. Once he, uh, he lost, didn't he, to Gary Russell. Yeah. That was for the WBC title, and then he boxed for the... Uh, for the WBA regular against Jesus Rojas, but he missed the weight by like half a pound. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> well, well, the regular title don't count. I guess. But, you know, he's going... Yeah, he's, but... He's, uh, he's saying it's his third and, you know, he's basically saying it's single swim for him. He understands that. This is, you know, a last chance saloon almost for this kind of level, you know? But anyway, how do you... Well, it's a third... It's a, it's a... You say it's it third time is a what? Well, they say third time lucky, but of course you're you're not going with that. You're you're going in there to get the job done. But how do you see the fight yeah. playing out? How what's your prediction? Yeah, goddamn lie. <laughs> uh, I just I, I just want to be victorious. That's all that matters for for. However, however we take it, is how we take it. But I just want to be victorious. And, um, that's about it, you know. And again, without looking too far ahead. What what is your goal for for the rest of twenty twenty? Do you hope to be able to unify at some point, Tevin, or you're not you're not really bothered? I mean, I wanted to, but it wouldn't make a difference because I know I know the boxing game and it's hard to make fights. These promoters hold on to their belts, so I'm not bothered by it. And you're quite happy being 
one of the most active world champions anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm okay with it. One fight I do want to get your take on. It's an interesting one, Tevin. Um, it's it's really looking like Jamel Herring's going to have to travel to Belfast in May to take on Carl Frampton. How do you see that one unfolding? Real interesting one. I think Jamel Herring will take the victory. I think he'll take the one. I think he's too big for Frampton. Frampton's too small. Frampton will let, 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 let Leo Cena Cruz beat him. Too small. And I want to ask you, Tevin, because you've always got things going on outside of the ring. Have you been up to anything exciting lately? Like I say, your life's quite eventful when you're not punching people. <laughs> <laughs> just, just fixing up the house, um, YouTube, and doing my blog. Um, it's just spending time with my family and stuff. That's it. Yeah, I see before Christmas, I see you were singing the Christmas songs. I, I thought that was pretty cool. That was cool. I wanted to get involved and do a bit of singing with you, man. Next Christmas for sure. Oh, you see it on, on, on my Instagram? Yeah, I was singing along myself. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Next Christmas we'll have to do a duet. Yeah, like we'll have Christmas. to do a duet of some sort. <laughs> oh, all right, let's get it. I'm down. And Tevin, just finally, my brother, any closing words for our listeners? Every time I ask you that, you usually just drop a, a little sentence of wisdom for our listeners. If you've got anything to, to say before we let you go, now's the time. Yeah, just follow... YouTube, Life as Tevin and Polka. And um, tune in January 30th in Miami is going down. And make sure you visit my website for my new merch, Never. Neverclothing.com. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go check out that. There's some brilliant merch over there. Listen, Tevin, it is always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck for January the 30th in Florida. Likewise. And I'm sure that we'll catch up sometime after. Absolutely. You're going to get a cheesesteak. All right. God bless, man. Speak soon, brother. All right. All right. God bless. Have a good night. You too, brother. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay. Now it's time for part two on this week's show. Um, usually the news part. I have actually got one piece of news. I'm going to quickly go over it. It's it come to us as a bit of a shock. Josh Taylor, after winning the World Boxing Super Series, beating Regis Pro Gray back in October and um, you know becoming a unified world champion, an undefeated one at Super Lightweight, he's decided to part ways with... Uh, with with Team McGuigan. So Shane McGuigan was his trainer. Barry McGuigan was his promoter. Um, He's decided to part ways with the pair of them. And um, he's now signed a promotional contract with Top Rank and I think a managerial contract with MTK Global. So um, very interesting. Not quite sure who's going to be his trainer right now. But um, it comes as a shock. You know, it really did come as a shock. The McGuigans released a statement Obviously, it's not the first time their fighters have left unhappy in recent times. Obviously, Chantel Cameron parted ways, I think, most recently. And then before that, very high profile um, was a split with... um with with Carl Frampton when he decided to go elsewhere and also before that I think David Hay also went elsewhere so it's been some bad times for the McGuigans but um yeah that's the one piece of news moving out now to the well moving over now to the preview part of the show this one takes place this Saturday at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona New York USA just one fight to mention as it stands, the uh, the main event for the vacant WBC Continental America's light heavyweight title, Alida Alvarez, 24-1. and one. Of course, the one loss came to um, Sergei Kovalev on points. He was able to beat Kovalev in the first fight by KO. Um, yeah, he takes on Michael Seals, 24-2, and two, a guy that um, back in 2015 lost to... Um, Edwin Rodriguez. Since then, his other loss came by by disqualification. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it is what it is. I'm not I'm not overly looking forward to that one there. It should be a relatively easy win there for Alida Alvarez. Moving out now, though, to the Leah Cora Center in Philadelphia, USA. Again, this one takes place um, this Saturday. It's going to be on Fox Sports. Um, let's start with, in fact, not much really going on. Well, actually, let's start with the undercard. Chris Colbert, 13-0. This one's for the interim WBA World Super Featherweight title. He takes on Jazreel Corrales, a guy that actually I don't think I've seen box for quite a while. I'm not sure if he's been inactive or whatever, but his record as it stands, 23-3. and And the main event, Julian J. Rock Williams, 27-1 and with a draw. He fights... Um, he fights for the, well, he's defending his belts, the WBA, IBF and IBO World Super Welterweight titles against Jason Rosario, who's got a record of 19-1 and with a draw. Just going to look at this um, this Rosario guy, because I'm not quite sure who he is. Um, I'm pretty sure, though, the situation, because I remember a lot, a lot of people online were getting annoyed when it got announced, and I think what actually happened was... Um, J-Rock is, is supposed to be fighting, um, I think he, he's supposed to be having a rematch with, with Jarrett Hurd or something like that, and basically, I think Jarrett Hurd got, got, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I think he got injured or something like that, and basically J-Rock was given the, uh, the, the, the option either to wait and, and not fight, or have a fight in the in the interim period, a bit of an easy one, and then have the fight with 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 Jarrett Hurd. Of course, Jason Rosario is hoping to, uh, to 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 completely rip up the script here and mess the plans up. His record, like I say, nineteen and one with a draw, thirteen KOs. Um, a Dominican fighter based now in Florida. His one loss came to Nathaniel Gallimore. Uh, that doesn't look too good. He was down three times in round six before he was TKO'd there, and he also has a draw, a split draw over six rounds to Mark Anthony Hernandez. Um, you know, just looking at his wins, he beat Jorge Cota last time out, but it was a split decision over ten. I think Cota, someone nominated him a couple of weeks ago for one of the most brutal knockout losses of 2019. He got stopped in three by Jamel Charlo. Um, yeah, so he beat Cota on a split decision. He beat... Um, he beat Justin Deloach. He beat prospect Jamonte Clark. He actually beat Mark Anthony Hernandez, the guy he drew with. He managed to to come back and beat him. But yeah, still that one loss by by KO to Nathaniel Gallimore doesn't look too good there. In all honesty, even though Gallimore is a big puncher, he's not he's not really that kind of world title level. So should be an easy win there, really for the. For the, uh, for the Philly fighter, Julian J. Rock Williams, friend of the show. And the final card to mention, um, it takes place this Sunday, actually. Sunday the 19th at the Woodhouse Park Lifestyle Centre in Wivenshaw, Manchester, Lancashire, United Kingdom. A um, couple fights to mention. Dion Juma tops the bill, 12-0. He is the English cruiserweight champion. It's his first defence here. He takes on Sam Hyde. Obviously, Sam Hyde, 15-1 and with a draw. That one loss came to Richard Riakpour in a fight he was winning. So that actually could be a brilliant, brilliant fight there at the English level. And also on the bill, Marcus Morrison. I'm not sure if he's had a fight since his brilliant um, his brilliant win in, in Italy. I'm not quite sure if he's fought or not. He may have had one. But anyway, he's back now 22-3. and three. Not quite sure who he's fighting just yet or how many rounds it's going to be. But um, just giving him an honourable mention there. Uh, but that is it, though, for the preview part of the show. That wraps it up entirely. That is all the talking done. Um, lastly, I just want to say, Eddie, once again, thank you for joining me. Um, it's been... 
I'm not even sure how many podcasts we've done together now, but it's brilliant when we do these ones, you know, actually together rather than over the phone because the sound quality is great and um, it just feels it just feels better. We're sitting here in a business center doing it. So uh, is it called a business center? Yeah, a business center. There we are. Yeah, so um, stepping up, center. stepping up that <laughs> professionalism. Yeah, 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 the business center. <laughs> But hey, it, it's always good, man. I, and and I like it. You get to see me, and I get to see you. So that's that's the biggest thing here. You know what I mean? And, and family and all of that. You know. But no, it's it's great. I enjoy talking. Everybody knows that. And really? Also, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I know it's a surprise to you. It might be a surprise. But also talking about boxing. So this is a nice thing, man. I appreciate you having me on. I mean, you know, you, anytime you need me, all you gotta do is call. All I've got to do is call. Thank you, Eddie. That is it, though. Like I say, for the preview part of the show, just before we wrap up part part two and finally end everything, the final thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated super featherweight talent that's ranked number four in the world with the WBO. It is, of course, Mr. Archie Sharp. Arch, welcome back on the show. Thanks for having me back on, mate. Thank you. No worries. So, Arch, we last spoke back in November. At that time, uh, you didn't know who your opponent would be for your next fight on uh, on December 21st at the Copper Box. It ended up being Art John's Ram Labs. Um, no one obviously really knew who he was going into the fight, so people thought it would just be an easy fight. But actually, he turned out to be a lot better yeah. than anyone expected him to be, including yourself. Uh, just talk me through the fight. Um, you know, it was definitely fight of the night. Yeah, it was a, um, an exciting fight, tough fight really. Um, it made it a lot tougher than it needed to be. Um, to be honest with you, I've had a couple of, I've had a big year and I really, um, and a few big defences towards the end of the year. Uh, so I do believe my body was just a bit um, over overworked really. Um, but you know, was definitely a good opponent. I didn't realise until after the fight how many um, European and Commonwealth and World Games that he's been in. So. And I think he boxed Joe, Joe Cordino a couple of times in amateurs as well at that level. So definitely had a very big amateur background. I think he was an eight-time national Latvian champion as well. So he definitely had the amateur pedigree. And also, wasn't he sparring in the build-up with um, with with an Irish amateur or something in the build-up to the fight? Yeah. So I see in the, in the build-up, um, the fellas like I say he's he's dedicated to the sport. It wasn't just um, an opponent. They just plucked out Finney. Um, who, who's not dedicated? The, the fellow's definitely dedicated to the sport, sparring out in Ireland against um, multinational champions. Uh, he's been all over the world sparring, actually. If you look at his Instagram, he's constantly active. But nice fellow, I've spoken to him since the fight. He's definitely welcomed me for sparring. Um, so, yeah, I, to be honest with you, I think many super featherweights will stay clear from that name over in the UK anyway, because I think he can. Uh, he can cause a lot of problems, as you can see. He's a very tough opponent. Yeah, like I say, from a fan's point of view, I'd love to see him back. I'd like to see him in there with the likes of, you know, perhaps a Leon Woodstock or something like that. But anyway, in other news, a man you were linked with fighting for a while, Arch, Sam Bowen. He was dethroned of his British title since we last spoke. He lost his undefeated record and his WBO world ranking to Anthony Kakachi. I know that secretly you were one of the few who actually backed Kakachi to get the win. He did. Um, so I'm guessing the you know the Sharp versus Bowen fight is really just one for the imagination now. Yeah, I believe so. Mate. Until the fellas got something to offer to put on the table, like you say, he's lost his ranking now in the WBO, and obviously he hasn't got a belt in. He hasn't got his British title, so therefore that there that fight isn't really interesting to me um, because he's got nothing to bring to the table. That's basically 
the um, the true fact of it. And he's moved up in weight as well. Is that right? I think he has. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not, to be honest with you, um, Joey, we knew this would happen anyway. The minute he gets beat, he'll move off a weight. So he's done now. I can't see much. I can't really see much of Samba. I think he's a good fighter, but I think he's only good at the level. I can't see him stepping out of that. Mm. And the real man that you're truly going after, Jamel Herring. I spoke to him briefly last Friday, and he hinted that the you know the Frampton fight will be next for him. We we kind of all knew that really anyway. How do you see that fight playing out? It's supposed to be taking place in May, and he will have to travel to Belfast by the looks of it. Oh, he's going to go Belfast. Yeah, I did. Um, I did hear say that it was going to be out there. Um, yeah, like I say, I do believe Jamel Herring beats Frampton. So I don't know what. The Frampton team have got in their head if they do if they do honestly believe they'll beat him. Um but yeah, I've got Jamel Aaron to win that. I think he's just too much of a big fighter for him. I think he's just Frampton's come up to suit with further weight. He's he's a very talented fighter as we all know. Um but a good big unbeat good little um, in my eyes and I think that's that that's the showcase there. Yeah, we spoke to Tevin Farmer on the show a little earlier and he pretty much said the same thing there. He backs Herring to win. He thinks Herring might just be a bit too big. Um, Arch, yourself, when are you expecting to be back in the ring? Um, I'm, I'm guessing about April time? Yeah, so I think there's an 18th of April show. Uh, I think we believe with Daniel DeBar, Anthony Yard. Uh, that's what the talks are anyway. Um, so I believe I'll be at the O2 on the 18th of April. Not too sure what sort of fight we would have in front of us, but hopefully, um, as everybody knows, I want the big fights to push on for this, um, to push on for these world title shots against uh, Jamal Herring, and I can come for like the Tevin Farmer and, and all them up there. Yeah, and just um, just finally, really, Arch, we've flown for it quite quickly. Any closing words at all for our listeners before we let you go? Yeah, no, I appreciate you listening and all supporting. Um, just keep an eye out because this year is going to definitely be a big year. Hopefully, like I say, I get, get the fights that I want. I want these big fights. Um, the likes of Tevin Farmer, uh, Jamel Aaron, all, all the big fights that I want. And this is what it's about. And I think 2020 is going to be a very, very exciting year. Some big fights happening. And I'm going to be amongst them. And, and, that, and as everybody knows, I'm always in exciting fights. And I look forward to, to basically being world champion by the end of the year. Yeah, that would be amazing. It really would be. And um, your trainer, your trainer Richie Sawyer, he's uh, he's opening up his gym, if I'm not mistaken, for for some kind of open day. Tell us about that. Yeah, so on the 25th of January this month, we are having an open day at the gym, just basically for the young kids and locals just to come up um, for a couple of hours, 11 to 1 o'clock at Amigos Gym. Um, and yeah, like a little questionnaire things. People can ask me, chuck some questions at me. Uh, I'll just do a bit of training. We've done one before. And it was and it was quite busy, really. It was it was good, and it's nice for the young kids just to so pad a few boys and, and and girls and do a bit a bit with them, jump in the mix, mix in with the training. Do you know what I mean? Just keep everyone, just keep everyone active, really. The gym, um, and it's good for the gym. It's good for myself, and it's good for everyone else. It's just it's a good day up there, a good couple of hours. Um, yeah. So the, the, like I said, I've done one before, and it went really well. And we look forward to doing it, uh, the other one, the next one on the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth of January. So. Um, if anyone wants to head down there, obviously look up the, the, the address there, Amigos Gym. I'm sure Archie will be posting about it and his trainer, Richie. Um, a nice positive way to start 2020 if you fancy going over there. But listen, Arch, it is always a pleasure, my friend, catching up with you. You know that. Thank you for your time, and we'll definitely talk again real soon. Thanks for having me on, mate. I much appreciate that.
Okay, and this wraps up episode 222 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the reigning IBF super featherweight world champion, Tevin Farmer, and the undefeated WBO world-ranked number four super featherweight in the world, Mr. Archie Sharp. A massive thank you to all of our listeners. Also, thank you all for listening. If you're still listening at this point in the show, you are a star. Um, One piece of news has been broken whilst we've been recording the show that is that um Cal Yafai will be defending his WBA super flyweight world title against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez on February 29th in Texas a very very good fight that should be finally a big name a big fight for Cal Yafai but that's about everything though remember to tell a friend to tell a friend and tell them to tell their friends leave us a review please on iTunes if you do get a chance it really does mean a lot enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week